Independent, totally biased, Hull Kingston Rovers. You are listening to the Red Robin Podcast with Joe Appleyard and Chris Johnson. Welcome to the latest Heritage Cast of the Red Robin Podcast. And this guy spent over five seasons with the Robins, getting the Reds back into the top flight of English Rugby League. Adam Quinlan quickly became a fan's favourite, but injuries dampened his career at Rovers. And me and Chris are going to discuss everything that Adam did with his time in East Hull and what the future holds for the Australian fullback. So this is the Red Robin Podcast with Joe Appleyard, Chris Johnson and Adam Quinlan. I'm absolutely loving that little jingle. What a way to start. It was a bit festive as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first time we've ever had that. So welcome, guys, to another episode of the latest Heritage cast of the Red Robin podcast. And we're delighted to be joined by five-season player for all Kingston Rovers, Adam Quinlan. How are you doing, mate? It's great to speak to you. Yeah, I'm doing well, lad. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been great. We spoke to a former teammate of yours last week, George Lawler. Chris, it's nice to speak to these players who have just obviously left the club because we've obviously, if you've ever seen it, Adam, we've dealt with players who have played about 10 years ago, you know, in five, six years ago. So for you guys, it's nice. And we're going to speak about obviously the 2021 season, but I'm really enjoying doing it with George and now Quinno, Chris. It's going to be a really good episode. Yeah, and a lot of people will be watching this and listening to this on the podcast will be um, really interesting to hear what Adam says because it's relatable, isn't it? You know, obviously Adam's recently just announced his retirement, but he's only just finished playing uh, last season. So so a lot of the stuff that we talk about is really relevant for, for a lot of people now. Yeah, definitely. So as always, mate, let's take it back to where it all began for you in Culborough in uh, New South Wales. Obviously, we always speak when we speak to the Aussies that come on the podcast. Amateur rugby league and the league system and stuff isn't the best. And we obviously know that for you guys, especially you growing up in Sydney, where it's there must be... 10 clubs in a radius of about a few miles, whereas in here we only have about five, six in the city. What was it like? Was you always going to be a rugby player? Is that all you wanted to do? Just tell us how you grew up, how you got involved in the game of rugby league and where your love for the sport first started. Yeah, um, so growing up, my uh, my dad, obviously, he, um, he used to coach like uh, young sides. My brother, I've got an older brother. Um, he coached that, so I sort of just got into to rugby through that um, started from a, a young age, I think six or seven. Um, played for yeah, Colborough, like you said, and um, that, I didn't know that was always what I was going to do. I used to love my cricket as well, so going up in the, the summer, we play cricket here, and then the winter, um, I play rugby, and then just yeah, just uh, growing up, I never really made any um, any rep teams or anything, so I never really thought that it was going to eventuate to to what it did. 
Um, but I just I just loved it. And, you know, just playing with your mates on the weekend or at school, I guess, like rugby here is like footy is to you guys. So always at lunchtime, you'd, you'd kick the ball around, have a game, a game of touch if even. Um, and, yeah, just loved it from, from yeah, from a little kid and, and grew up and was lucky enough, yeah, to, to progress on with it. What was your first position, Adam? Have you always been uh, full-back or, or was you trying a few different positions, especially in them early days? Yeah, um, I mainly played either a half-back um, growing up till probably when I was about 19, I think. I, I played my first game of um, at full-back and then um, I think that season I might have played a little bit of both and then um, from then on I played full-back and uh, mainly then for the rest of my time. Oh, actually, a little bit at St George at, at six, but um, but halfback originally, yeah, growing up. You mentioned your love of cricket, obviously a massive cricket event going on at the minute, the Ashes. Pretty shaky start from us pommies, as you call us, but have you been watching any of it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been following it. it was a, couldn't have had a better start for us first ball. Um, but uh, he's fighting back a little bit today, actually. He's just finished up for today, but... Uh, yeah, I love my cricket. I always watch it, especially the Test and the Ashes. It's um, which was unfortunate. I wanted to go to a Test like the Ashes in my time there, but um, I think twice it was held there, and yeah, I could never get a ticket either time. Yeah, I managed to get to the one um, Ben Stokes. Oh, I didn't yeah, that. yeah, I tried yeah. to get that one. Yeah, unbelievable. Is it like? Um... You know, like like a lot of things in sport, you know, if you wrote down what happened, people won't believe you, would they? You know, and, and that's the beauty of sport. It's just so unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. That was a, uh, a great moment in sport, even from an Australian perspective. That was yeah. unbelievable, that game. Mm. So you mentioned, obviously, playing amateur rugby. So many clubs around the Sydney area. When did St George first come to you? Obviously, that was your local professional team from where you grew up. When did the call come? What was the decision that you made did you get a long-term contract was it just going to be in the youth cup for a start or did you see yourself for the long term at St George when you got signed how old was you at the time as well Quinny? Yeah so um, I played for, for Colborough until under 18s and then because um, the, obviously Colborough is only a little town so that stops there and then so I had to play like men's after that so I played for a, a different team they were called Jambrew which a town was not too far away um, Played there a season, like in the open division, and then got asked to trial for the following year um, for the under twenties for the St George for the Dragons, and um, so trialed there, and then managed to get selected from that to to be in the under twenties squad for the year after. Um, I was hesitant at first because people I'd spoke to like the squads were usually picked even before the trial, so. Um, uh, I thought, well, I think there were two of us maybe from the trials that got selected because the rest of the squad was already picked. And I thought, well, there's no real point if I'm going to do it and then not play or just not even looked at. But then I was glad, fortunately, I, I did. I went and um, played uh, for the under-20, well, trained for them. And uh, I was working at the time with my old man doing plumbing. And then I travelled to go to training, uh, I think it was three or four times a week after that. And then... I didn't, I was on the outer, like on the edge, didn't really play. And I just, I think it was around 14, I got, um, the coach said, yeah, I'm going to put you in just off the bench, come on and play a bit of dummy half hooker, which I'd never played, but, um, you know, I was happy he was getting me in the team somewhere. And then I think that game, the fullback got injured and you need an operation on his, 
on his foot. So he was out for the rest of the season and I managed to play the last 13 games and um, managed to go all right. And then from that, I got offered a two-year contract for St George and um, like full-time for after that. So then signed with that and that's how it started, yeah. So Adam, just tell us what what was the especially in the early days when you you coming through the ranks and before before signing for St George, what was the physicality like when you when you were playing rugby? Was it was it tough or was it more skill based? Because obviously the weather's a lot different over over there. Yeah, um, it was pretty skill based, um, I'd say. And then, well, because obviously I'm little now, I was even skinnier <laughs> back then, so it was all kind of physical for me. So I tried to stay out of that a bit, but um, but then I think. When I, I said I left Colborough and went to play for an open age um, uh, when I was 19, I played in the men's comp. And I think that really helped me because you're playing against men and um, that was quite physical, especially for me. Whereas a lot of guys in the 20s already, that it was good skill and that, but you're playing against guys your own age. So I think that developed me quite well for, for um, what was to come and um, pretty happy it went that way in the end, yeah. I was going to say, Joe, a bit of a similar story to some of the lads who are obviously going out on dual reg and stuff like that at Rovers now, and the, and the younger lads who are, you know, getting a footing in the game by playing, you know, maybe a bit more tougher competition, so that when they do come into that first team, you know, they're they're physically they're a lot more prepared rather than obviously when you're in training and you concentrate on your skills and all stuff like that, but you don't you don't always get that competitive element, that aggression, what you do when you play maybe in in, in lower league uh, footy. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I don't know about you, Quinn. I think, obviously, you look at a Rovers perspective now. Um, Will Tate went, didn't he? And Tom Ware, they've gone to Rochdale as well. And I feel like as good as training with you guys in the first team was, these young lads, especially Tom, who's a forward, for him to go, and that'll be the same in the, you know, the Southern Hemisphere as well, playing against men, getting that physicality, getting the big minutes in, that's much better than just sticking on the sideline, maybe playing picking up three appearances for the first team here and there. But I don't know about you, Matt. I think that system really works. And I'm hoping to see it works a lot better over here because I know you guys, if people are playing in the NRL, then they're playing in the Super Cup, the Intra Super Cup or the Queensland Cup. And I yeah. feel like that is why probably the standard's so good because each week you can drop down two, three divisions and the standard's still up there. Whereas over here, no disrespect to the guys in League One, but you've got a lot of uni students who are just doing it to pick up a bit more extra money. It's not as serious. Do you think that um, system really works? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, especially for the young guys coming through, to, you know, if they're just playing play academy and then they they train with us and then they don't play, you know, if they're not getting picked, then all of a sudden they get thrown in the Super League. Well, it's a totally different ball game. So, like, to get them prepared and playing against, you know, the other men and physicality and the skill mightn't be as good that the levels you go down, but the physicality to get you right. But you're training with your, your Super League team anyway, so your skill skill level is um, getting worked on every day, so that's good. Um, but then to get you get to go back and, and play a few weeks or a month or however long it needs um, with that physicality against other men and stuff, I, I think, yeah, it's, um, it's something that needs to be um, done a lot. It's a, it's a great system, I think, and it, and it definitely benefits um, anyone that does it. Yeah, let's hope so. So we go to 2013, mate, round nine. NRL debut for, for St George away at the Gold Coast Titans. You lost by a point, but forget about that. What was your experience? How did it come along? 
How did you break through into the first team squad? And what were your experiences of the day travelling over the TV coverage? Everything like that. It must have been such a proud moment for you, your family, but just obviously a different level to what you'd expected. It must have been a great achievement there. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I was playing in the, the New South Wales Cup for, for the start of that year, training obviously with uh, the first team, go back playing a weekend for them. Um, the team, I don't think we were going too well at the time. And then I think we just signed Josh Dugan, I think, on the, the Sunday. He was coming, not for the following week. or um, And the, pro, uh, the coach, Pricey, come up to me, I think it was maybe a Thursday or something, and just said, you're going to be in this week, um, blah, 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 all the best. And I, it caught me by surprise. Um, so then we, we flew up, I, I think possibly it was a Saturday game. We flew up on the Friday, stayed overnight in the Gold Coast um, at the hotel. Actually, we <laughs> it was, yeah, we went up there and then we went out for tea. But before that, a few of the boys went, you know, a few shopping the shopping um, centre and, and did that. And I just, you know, tagged along went with a few of us. And um, we end up getting caught up. We end up late for, for tea that night. And then I think that was a $400 fine I got and first before I'd even played a game. Um, I don't think I bought anything when I was shopping. I was just sort of tagged along going with the flyer. So it wasn't the greatest start. But um, then, yeah, went back, woke up in the morning. Uh, my mum and dad flew up. I think that morning, uh, I didn't actually see them before the game, but really nervous, obviously, before the game. Um, as soon as we ran out in the field, I think uh, it sort of, the nerves settled a bit and um, managed to get a nice early touch, I think, which um, which helped me. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, the game, obviously, we didn't um, we didn't win, we lost by a point, but just the experience all around was, um, you know, one I'll never forget. It was great. And then obviously in the next week, like I said, they just signed Dugan, so I was straight back out again. But um, but it was a great experience. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and obviously making your debut, Quinn, he was lining up against current Robin, uh, Brad Sakarangi. He was he was playing, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was there. Obviously, um, I didn't know about it at the time, but um, yeah, he was there playing for Gold Coast and uh, probably carved us up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, also, he was lining up with uh, Michael Wayman, who was someone a lot of Rovers fans remember fondly from his time at the club. Um, and he's certainly a player, Joe, that I think we, we wanted to see a bit more, didn't we, in the in the, the red and white. It was a shame his career got cut mm-hmm. short. But uh, just give us a bit of insight into to, to Mick Wayman and, and the influence he had on the team and, and you at that at that time. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He was um, obviously a, a great player. Um Really nice, genuine fellow. We'd always look out for the young guys and, you know, check on how we're going and, and make sure we're all right. And, um, you know, he was, yeah, uh, in, just as valuable off the field as he was on the field. And, um, yeah, it was a pleasure and a privilege to, to play with him. And um, it would have been good, yeah, if we could have played together over this side of the field, uh, over that side of the hemisphere yeah. as well. But, yeah, he's getting some used to it. How you um obviously before we move on about Robert, he's settling in, obviously he's moved back home. How was that all going on with COVID and stuff like that? Did you have to quarantine and how are you and your partner settling back to life down under? Yeah, no, fortunately, um we didn't have to, to quarantine in, in New South Wales. They just changed the laws recently. Um and that sort of once they changed the laws, we're like, right, yeah, let's definitely do it and um, book the flights. So we um, we got back. We've been, I think, a month now. We've been back and 
Um, just, yeah, settled back in now. Just sort of been catching up with family and friends and, um, yeah, just doing the rounds. And uh, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, good, mate. And obviously, moving back to the rugby, your debut NRL season, 10 appearances, five tries. Not a bad statistics, mate. Do you know what happens at the end of the NRL season? Because we know over here, you know, you get like two, three-year deals. And I know that happens down under, but recently, like when we're doing this podcast today, we already know that Josh Hodgson, a former Robin, is going to be playing for Parramatta in 2023. So it's always about the big picture plan. I always think down under, you know who's going to be there. Obviously, you've got the new Dolphins team coming in next year. People know who they're going to be playing for next year. I just think that wouldn't really work down um, in England. Imagine if we knew that you was going to go play for LFC the next year. Imagine stuff like that. How do you think that works? And did you ever have that plan? Did you know what your two, three-year plan was? Never mind what was happening the following season there. Yeah, no, I never knew that. Um, I'm trying to think back from when my time then, but I, I don't. I think that might be more of a newer thing that's come in because I can't remember back then someone knowing like, I guess midway through the year, yeah, signing, but like before a, a, a ball's even been kicked this season, knowing where they're going to be the year after. I, I'm sure that must be sort of newish because yeah, I, I think it's a bit strange, but um, you know, everyone's professionals and I'm sure that they'll deal with it fine but yeah it is a bit different yeah yeah I think that's the that's the difference isn't it that in, in rugby league you know even if you've signed for another club and you know that's maybe the next season it's the game it's a game where you can't go in half-hearted you can't you can't play it at at 70 percent 80 percent you've got to be fully into it so in a way I think you know, the, 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 the most recent experience was is obviously George Lawler wasn't it who announced he was departing the club quite early on in the season uh, but what you could see is from his performances, there was no let up in, in his commitment to the club. And, and I think that's uh, pretty unique about rugby league players and, and the game in itself that, you know, regardless of where, where you're going, you're, you're invested into your teammates, you're invested into the club and and rugby league players definitely put the, the whole height into play in regardless of where they're going to be, you know, the season after or, or, or the season after that. Yeah, I think it's one of them as well. Like you said, Chris, you can't go into it in 50%. You know, you see in football, when we know team, people are moving from team to team, they get quite agitated, don't they? And they don't give the best performances, whereas you guys, Quinny, you'll know if you go in half-hearted, like Chris said, you're going to pick up injuries. And I always think the dedication of the players, it doesn't matter if you're going to be moving on or you're going to be staying for another decade or so, you always give 110%. But... Go to 2014, a really good season for you. I mean, looking at your stats, obviously we always do a bit of research on the people we're going to be getting on the podcast. You played in the Auckland Nans, you played 15 matches. Yeah. That was going to be your final season. When did you find out that maybe your time at St George was coming up and how did that move, obviously, at the time, was to Parramatta Reels. We know you built, you played mainly for the Magpies, their feeder team in 15. But when did you realise, I'm going to have to start looking at other clubs now, even after playing, you know, a huge chunk of the 14 in RL season? Yeah, um, so, yeah, I felt the that season was quite quite good. I, I played quite a lot. I think um, Dugan was injured early on and then... Uh, we had a change of coach mid-season. I think Steve Price got the sack and Paul McGregor come in. Um, and then uh, he still picked me. He, he moved Dugan to the centre, so he was obviously happy with how things were going. And then um, I think probably the last two games, my form dropped, or three games, and then I didn't play the last game of the season, or maybe the last two. Um, but I was still contracted for the next season. Um, and then... At the end of the year, when we did the review and whatnot, um, 
like uh, one-on-ones with the coaches. He McGregor said to me that you know possibly we might want to use um, you know get someone else in or or whatnot. Um, you know you, if you want you can look elsewhere. And I was like okay, and then come back and and did most of the preseason with them. And then towards the end it was Parramatta. Um, had come in and, and said, yeah, we'll take in. It was sort of, at the time, I didn't realise, but it was sort of like a swap deal with Justin Hunt, another fella, and um, he comes to George, and uh, I thought about it, and then I was like, do you know what, if, I'm, if he's saying that to me now, there's no point sticking it out and hoping for, for something good if you're getting that already, and he, he told me straight up, so I was like, okay, well, um, I'll see how it goes at Parramatta. Uh, I went there, like you said, yeah, mainly played at the... Um, uh, at Wentworthville Magpies there and um, wasn't for me it wasn't really the best move it didn't really work out um, they still had a lot of injuries and things at, at fullback and I still couldn't get a run um, for whatever reason so uh, yeah that wasn't the, the best move and then yeah end up leaving there and, and going to Saints which, which was a good move in the end yeah mm. loved it how did you find the transition moving from St George to Parramatta? I know Parramatta's in Sydney suburbs as well. So did you have to move out at all, or was it just literally you can just a bit of a longer drive or maybe shorter one? How did you find the transition moving club? Obviously, being at St George, being a St George boy for quite a while at the time. Yeah, um, so I did have to move move houses, moved up to Sydney. Um, obviously, back then, especially being a bit younger, um, always been a quiet, a quiet kid growing up. So. To move to a different team, um, I was quite settled at St George and um, comfortable where I was. So, to a different group of guys and things like, and obviously being quiet, it wasn't um, the easiest thing for me to do. But um, yeah, I did that, and they were all welcoming and, and things. But um, yeah, I was just obviously the quiet, didn't say a lot. And then, um, like I said, my, my rugby wasn't uh, at the best, I guess, and a couple of little injuries, but uh, opportunities weren't there either. And um, so it wasn't wasn't the greatest move, but um, but uh, I don't I don't regret it at all because at the time I thought that was going to be the best thing for me. Um, but yeah. And, and when you've been obviously playing at at St George and Parramatta, I mean, there's been some some sort of stellar names, aren't there? What you, you've been lining up with, uh, you know, players like Benji Marshall, Gareth Widdup. How much did you manage to learn or? Or take from them players and, and and take on into your career, or or we see some other players who, who just totally focus on their game. They don't really take anything from anybody else because they're so focused on what they're doing. How, did you take anything from them? Yeah, definitely. Um, Gaz and uh, and Benji when when they were uh, at St George, you know, at the time Gaz was he was on fire as well. So to play with them guys and then Benji obviously done it all and. Uh, the knowledge he has was um, unbelievable. He, he'd always take time to to help and um, pick little things up that you know I could improve on, or the way I, I come around out the back of a, a, a decoy runner, and um, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So if they speak and, and going to help you, you'd be silly not to listen. So um, yeah. yeah, that was something they they improved my game a hell of a lot, and, and playing with them was um, was uh, something I'll never forget. And, it, uh, it was unbelievable, yeah. You mentioned the mid-season move to St Helens, mate. We'll move on to that now. How did that come about? Obviously, you mentioned you wasn't playing much. I think St Helens were in dire need of a fullback at the time. Obviously, Paul Wellens, an icon of St Helens, had just um, retired in 2014. 
but for you, was that a big call to make? Did you see it as just obviously it was just a short term deal before, and obviously it came back before you came to East Hull? But tell us how that move did McManus ring you up? How did that um, moving from obviously Sydney to Merseyside? How did that all work out for you? And I think it was your debut against Rovers. No, debut was against. I remember you scoring but... against us. I remember you scoring. Against <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah, it was it was a couple of games in, but um, yeah, the the move came about. I think maybe Lomax was playing fullback. He, I think, did his knee. Um, they spoke to my manager and said, um, "Do I want to come?" At the time, I'd only not been long at um, Parramatta, so I went to the coach and said, "Oh, look." Um, what do you think am I a chance of playing? Like, if not, I'll go. Like, and then he just said, Oh, look, if you, you work on a few things, blah, blah, you know, you might get a shot. So originally I said, Okay, no, I don't want to go to, to St. Helens. And then I think um, Shannon McDonald went. And then a few weeks later, he got injured. So they, they asked again. Um, nothing really had changed that Parramatta. So um, I was a bit nervous and, and that about going, like I said, quite a kid moving across the other side of the world. Um, it was a big move for me. But, um, yeah, so eventually I said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, and moved across there and it, it was different. But uh, something I'll never forget and very glad that I did and uh, to go over there. And I think got there on the Monday and straight or Sunday maybe and straight into it on the Thursday game. And um, we went from there, yeah. Yeah, and you was lining up with... Uh... Two former Robins, Mossy Masai, Travis Burns. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was great. I think Mossy, I played with him there. Um, I was with him at St George, but I think he he done his knee in the the preseason, and then uh, together again at um, at the Robins. So yeah, it was great to play with him and and get to know him. Obviously, before he come to the Robins, and uh, yeah, and play a bit with with Burnsy as well, which was uh, which was good. Yeah, what what was Travis like? Because Joe, when we speak to to players, um, and when we've done previous heritage casts, yeah, I think he was uh, you either loved him or you you, you hated him, sort of, because it it rubbed people up the wrong way. And then if you didn't like it, you know, that was pretty much it. What what was your experience with Travis Burns? Yeah, no, I, I'd I'd heard things like that and um and whatnot before I got there, and but you know what, I got on with him quite well. Um, yeah. And I, I found him quite funny, just like, just the way uh, he, he was and he, he'd yell on that at times and that, um, yeah, he was, um, yeah, like, definitely, yeah, you either loved him or you hated him, but I, I sort of, I got on with him all right and he was all right to me. Um, so, yeah, I, I haven't, I didn't really uh, keep in contact since I, I'd ever left there, but um, while I was there, yeah, he, he was fine with me. I think he'd definitely be a good heritage guest in the future, don't you, Joe? I think we should definitely need to try and get him on. Yeah, I think he's got an Instagram account. I'm sure we can maybe give him a bell because I'm sure he has a few letters to say about how other guests that is on. And yeah, it'd be an interesting one. What was your um, what was your first um, your expectations of Super League at the time? And probably what was the different, the most challenging differences you found? Is training different, the build-up? We know the fans, we know Australia is the biggest sport and it gets more attendance-wise. But I think for the noise and the passion, you know, if you get 4,000 in a Yorkshire stadium on a weekend, you probably gain more, generate more atmosphere than that. How did you find the move and the transition, Quino? Because it must have been tough. I know it was just a short spell, but did it give you a taste of what was to come, do you think? Yeah, no, definitely. I, at the time, 
I didn't um, watch a lot of um, Super League because it was early in the morning back then. I like to sleep in and things. So I wasn't really sure what, what to um, expect. But um, like you said, the crowd's obviously a massive difference. I didn't expect that. that like the, the singing and, and the, the noise you would get. Yeah, like I said, a, a smaller crowd but in numbers, but um, it felt so much different. Um, I, I felt at the time it was a bit more allowed to throw the ball around more from what I was used to, so that suited my game, um, being a, a support player and, and an attacking player. Um, but, yeah, I went in a bit just sort of not knowing what to expect. Um, I guess it helped because with nerves and, and things like that, and, um, and got managed to get off to a good start in the first game and that, but, yeah. Yeah, you broke up. We did. We could hear you there, mate. We do apologise. You're um. Oh, was he gone, Chris? Yeah, it's alright. We'll we'll get him back. I'll just. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll just fill in Joe while he, uh while we get him back on. But obviously, it's great insight so far, isn't it? Listening to and what I've been surprised is, and we've been I've just been looking through some of the team sheets of people he's lined up against and played with, especially over in the NRL. And you know, there's some stellar names, isn't there? So I think people forget about that Adam Cunningham. That he, he's had um, a great time at Rovers. Obviously, he did well at St Helens, but he's played with some really big players while over in Oz as well. Yeah, I think so. I think if you message him now, let's see if we can get him back on and I'll just fill the gaps. But I think, oh, here he is now. But while we're talking about the man himself, can you hear us, Quinny? Are you back? I don't know what happened. I just completely cut off the... I'm back. I'm back. Sorry. No, no, it's fine, mate. I mean, obviously, me? we're running it live. That's the beauty of a live podcast. We want to keep going. We all want to show the fans what it's like. Sometimes it can go off. I just, you're, you're cutting off a bit, mate. I just don't want you to um, keep um, cutting out and stuff. But we'll try. We'll keep going. We'll go again and we'll carry on from where we left off. So, obviously, you went back home. You signed another year with St. George. You was playing for the Illawarra Cutters. And then the move to Hulkington Rovers came about. We'd just been relegated. We'd gone, you know, to the championship the first time in 10 years of being a Super League club. Obviously, a rubbish time for Hulkingston Rovers. When Tim Sheens gave you the call, or was it Mike Smith, Neil Hudgel, what did you see Rovers as an opportunity to maybe mould as you the starting fullback? Because going for no disrespect throughout your career, like you've always mentioned, you've struggled to cement games, you've struggled to get that starting one spot. Whereas with Rovers, playing in the second tier, the aim was definitely to go back up. But we could really work around players like you. At the time, it was Jordan Abdul, Sean Lund, the span of the club. How did the move to East Hull come about, mate? Yeah, so um, Sheenzy gave me a call and, um, yeah, he said, I'm obviously over at Hulk AR now. Um, there's an opportunity out here that, yeah, the team just got relegated, but the plan is obviously to go straight back up and um, we're going to be building and, and going to be like a, a Super League team and uh, I want you to come over and, and, and be, uh, yeah, the fullback for us. And um, obviously, having spent that time at St Helens, um, I always knew that I wanted to, to to go back to England at some stage. I didn't I didn't know when it was going to be, um, and so that he, he offered the deal.
Apologies for the sound, guys. We uh, obviously Adam's halfway around the world, so the uh, the Wi-Fi might be a bit of a problem. I know it's normally me joining it who has the uh, the rubbish Wi-Fi. And uh, a little shout out to Rob Coles, who's uh, an avid listener, big Rovers fan. He sorted me out, gave me some tips about what to do with the Wi-Fi. So if you're listening or watching, Rob, thank you for that. Um, we're just going to try and get Adam back on. Uh, because yeah, I mean, I can talk for a little bit, mate. Do you want to maybe turn, turn his Wi-Fi on and off and we'll get him started well, again, but we'll carry well, on. Yeah, Joe, did you, did you just say you can talk for a little bit? Yeah, well, I, I can try not to babble on like I normally do. <laughs> <laughs> but He's no, again, so we're just going to try and get him back on. Uh, but obviously, uh, people listening to this, uh, we've just had the, the George Lawler Heritage cast and we've got a, a couple more in the pipeline that we're not just going to release just yet, are we? But there are a couple of uh, exciting players who, who have, you know, like everyone who comes on the Heritage cast have all played the part in the fabric of Old Kingston Rovers. Yeah, they have. I think one's probably a cult hero, local lad, and then the other's a big name Aussie. It's going to be really good to speak to them both, mate. Two very different careers, two very different careers at Old Kingston Rovers as well. And obviously, once we announce who that is, guys, you'll understand what we're talking about. We've got some really exciting news coming in 2022 out. We're going to expand. You know, it's, we don't want to give away too much at this time, Chris, but if we're discussing coming to the back end of 2021 and getting guests like Quino on, George Mantelato, Morel Dobson, the list goes on, Justin Morgan, Jenna Brooks, this has just been 10 months and we're really grateful, aren't we? And I think looking back at it now, it'll be nice to speak to the players who leave at the end of each season because obviously we know when they're at the club at the time, we can't speak to them. But now that they've left and they're not contracted to the Robins, we can get that insight and I'm really enjoying these heritage casts. We've had about four months without Wi-Fi issues, mate, haven't we? So it's going yeah, to come about eventually. But I don't know about you. I'm really I love doing the weekly updates, of course I do, but I feel like these heritage casts give it a bit more, a bit more space, and it's nice to speak to the players. Are we back on, Adam? Yes, hopefully for a while. There you are. You sound like, lovely yeah. now. Although yeah, much fun. better. Yeah, perfect. Right, we've just been babbling on like we normally do, mate. So it's great to be back with you. So we'll carry on before anything else gets ruined. So you mentioned you were speaking to Tim Sheens. What you all did that move to Eastville come about? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like I said, Sheens he called me up and said um, we'd like building something here. The, the Robins obviously got rele relegated the year before. Um, we're building, looking to get straight back into the Super League. We're we're going to be be preparing and um, and building like a Super League side, and I want you to be the um, the number one uh, fullback. And um, like I said, I, I'd been at St Helens, done that brief stint there, and I always said I wanted to come back to England because I, I really enjoyed it there, and uh, I didn't know when it was going to be, but um, probably a bit sooner than I thought. But that opportunity come, and um, I, yeah, I just thought, okay, let's do it, let's go for it, and. Um, yeah, one of the one of the best decisions I've made. So, yeah, right. and and obviously the uh, the draw of coming to uh, one of the world's best rugby league sides must have been huge for you. But how how big was the draw of coming for for Tim Sheens as well? You know, a, a coach who's been there, done it all, uh, had a stellar career. Um, to have someone like that saying that they want you to be their main man at, at fullback and put the trust in you that that must have been a, an incredible draw for you to come over. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, yeah, Sheens, he, he yeah, coached for Australia, won premierships and things. And, and for him to, to say, yeah, come over and um, I want you to be the fullback, it was um, it was a huge, huge thing for me. Um, and yeah, the, the time I felt was right. Actually, 
I think it ended 2015. I actually met in Sydney with um, with Mike Swift um, when he was CEO at the time about coming to to the Rovers then um, as a halfback. I can't remember who had already signed at the time, but um, to partner them, and I, I ended up deciding not to. Um, but um, but when yeah this this time come around, I thought yeah the time's right now and. Um, yeah, it was a it was a huge opportunity for me, and and yeah, didn't ever look back in the end and loved it. Like I said, I'm trying to think it the problem. If it was 2015, 16, we had Bobby Blair, Campisi, Matty Marsh, Kelly. We had people like that, didn't we? So probably there was a lot lot of halfbacks at the club at the time. Was that probably one of the decisions that swayed, or did you just think at that time it wasn't the right decision for you? It was a bit too early, and obviously glad that you held off like you did. Yeah, I think uh, I just felt. Um, to, I was a bit, a bit younger, only a couple of years, but like to to come in and be halfback and that, I thought mm, I'm probably not ready for that to to direct the team around and um, be that sort of player. So uh, that was sort of the main reason. Um, and yeah, I, I think it turned out to be a good thing. And and uh, and and then yeah, a couple of years later, the the opportunity come about again. Obviously not as halfback as a fullback, but um. But yeah, I think that was probably just the main reason. I just wasn't ready to, I felt, to, to lead a team around. I was just a bit too quiet and, and, and shy at times. And I, I needed to be around the team for, you know, a year or so to get to know everyone before I'd sort of come out of Michelle a bit, I think. So that was probably why. Yeah, so we'll take you to your, your debut for the for the Red and Whites, Adam. I think, was it Sheffield, uh, the Challenge Cup? Your, your first team, uh, not friendlies, but you, was that... Against Sheffield, um, I'm not sure. I think the first the first round game was I think Bradford at home. Yeah, I was going to say, did you play Bradford? It was like fifty thirty. It was a weird game, wasn't it? Some high scoring. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they scored first, and um, it wasn't a great start. But yeah, yeah, that was definitely my first game, and then I think Sheffield might have been the second round. And yeah, Sheffield, like a bit of a stat yeah. for you, Joe. He's lining up against a, a young Elliot Minchella who, who was yes. playing that close forward for, for Sheffield. But what were them early rounds like playing in East Hull, sort of wind, rain, cold? Um, what was it like for you coming over? And obviously, you'd had a bit of an experience with St. Helens, but obviously, you'll have been playing when the weather was a bit warmer. And, and uh, what have you, it must have been a, a bit of a, an eye opener for you, them few early rounds. Yeah, no, I wasn't um, wasn't quite sure what to expect and stuff. But um, one thing I said that surprised me was the first game to run out and play in front of that home crowd, um, and that was something I'll never forget. That first game and the, and the roar um, uh, of the end. But then um, it was a bit it was a bit different, but it was good. I, like I said, I really enjoyed it, and um, uh, I wasn't. Know what to expect, really, but it was a good start. I think with the early rounds in the championship season, there and it, it must have been, it was tough. I mean, it was great that we was picking up some victories, but it probably gave you guys a bit of an easy way to start. For you working in the span, we was playing against teams like Rochdale, Oldham, and as I'm saying, this is dropped again. So, right, Joe, keep going. It's right. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I mean, we've discussed it on previous Heritage Cast and, and stuff. You know, it's, I suppose it was difficult for that group of players because they knew that they could win, you know, 
99% of the games at a canter. But that in itself must be difficult to have that motivation and that professionalism to, to keep going. And we saw Rovers did come unstuck a few times, didn't they, where maybe they took teams a bit lightly or, or they took the eye off the off the ball. And and not every game was a, an, a battering. Um, no, I remember, I remember games against like Fair Valley Facts, Toulouse, you know, really tough games. And I, I think that season was just about getting up, wasn't it, mate? And when we spoke to George... I mentioned that even if we'd have been in Super League that year, we'd have probably still been playing in the middle eight. So ultimately that running yeah. gave us a little bit of leniency for the middle eights to prepare and to bar Mossy Masoy, bar Justin Carney, get Abdul fit because he was instrumental. And probably looking back at it, it even the you know the disaster that was 2016, the beauty of the middle eights kind of gave you a bit of a free run if you was in the championship and you was the top end of it. I definitely thought that because even, you know, we wanted to be the league leaders in the championship and we did do that. But I always knew we was going to be the top four. So either way, he was going to be fighting for Super League survival in the middle eight or Super League status. And that middle ground probably didn't affect us that much as looking back at it in the bigger picture, Chris, I think. No, but it was. I think it was, um, it was a good time for the club, obviously, to reset. I think we definitely needed that, you know, and it, in, in reality, it's not something you want, is it? You, you know, you don't want a relegation on your CV as a club, you know. Some clubs have never come back. Look at Witness, you know. Yeah. Relegation isn't always uh, a good thing for for clubs and, and sometimes you can never come back. But thankfully, as a, as a club and as a playing squad, they managed to get us back into Super League and, and we haven't looked back since then, have we? No, how big was it, though, going up the first time around? Because I think if we want to dump, then, no, I would have been screwed, mate. I think would have been. I think would have been like a witness. Would have been. It would have been a tough, tough run. Um, yeah. And and I don't think would have. I don't think. Well, you can't predict the future, can you? But obviously, I don't think would have been uh, uh, where we are now if if we didn't go at that fair time. I think we've got Adam back. Yes, for the third, fourth time. Come uh. <laughs> on, come on, Queenie. I'm at my uncle's. It must be his uh, his bad Wi-Fi. His dodgy Wi-Fi. But no, we yeah. were just saying, mate. We thought, I was, was mentioning the championship season and that, that middle eight system kind of gave Rovers the middle ground compared to the bottom four of Super League because ultimately at the end of the day, if you finished in the top four of Super, um, championship or the bottom four of Super League, it didn't really matter. You were still going to fight out. You was all on a, a pecking order, the same pecking order. How did you find playing against the likes of Rochdale, Swinton, Oldham? And that's no disrespect to them, but you, you, know, you played NRL, you played at a much higher standard. Sometimes was it hard to keep that up or did you find as a group you was very professional? I remember you being a really tight-knit group. I remember Ben Kikane's YouTube videos, everyone dyeing their hair blonde. I remember it was yeah. a bit of a, you know, a lot of camaraderie in this Rovers team, probably similar to what you've had in 2021, just yeah. in a bit of a different season. Yeah, um, yeah, like you said, we were a really tight-knit group and, and uh, I felt we were very professional. But in saying that, at, at times it, it still is hard to... It's just human nature to keep that level up, you know, going away on a Sunday afternoon uh, at likes of Rochdale or somewhere like that and to keep up that level, um, your best level every week. But um, what really did help us was um, every game, I often said that that year, felt like a home game. Um, yeah. Our travel, uh, travel and support was unbelievable and, you know, we had thousands more than, you know, the home team. So that always helped get us up. But... um. Yeah, like you said, I think we still lost a few games in there. I think Halifax maybe um, and whatnot. But we, we still knew we, we had more to give, I think. Um, like we, You don't want to lose them games. And, and 
and things like that. But even when that did happen, we still felt that um, we had more to give and, and we were still building um, and going to try and peak in the in the middle eights system. Yeah, me and Joe were just talking about how difficult it is sometimes when you're the, the clear favourites to win games mm-hmm. and how to do that game week in, week out and to keep that, that eye on the ball kind of thing. Who were the leaders around the team at that time who, who, who did the job of sort of keeping you focused? and, and Or was it was everybody playing their part in that? Yeah, I think everyone too was was playing a bit of a part. But obviously we had Lunty was was um, captain. Uh, he was always onto it. Nick Scruton um, had been around, and um, you know when he spoke, everyone lis- listened. Um, he was definitely one. Um, obviously Bobby Bobby Blair, he he'd been around and he'd been at the club for a while and uh, and an experienced player. So you know I think we had them three around, and you know when they spoke, people listened. If but like. Uh, like I said, yeah, I think most of the boys were onto it most of the time. But it, if anyone did slip at a, a point, you know, those sort of old heads were always there to go, hey, hang on, yeah, just get them in line. So, I think the signings are like Justin Carney, Mossy as well, mate, really ramped us up and going into the middle age. You look at the victories against Lee away, I think Lundy scored twice there in the old orange and green kit, and then going to Featherstone, which is probably one of the hardest pitches to play on because you're playing mm. on Mount Everest, running up that hill in the second <laughs> half. I remember Ryan Shaw or Heffernan having a really good game, but that yeah. witness game, the promotion, Ryan Shaw's full length. Uh, what was your... Um, what was your memories of that day? And I was, was when we spoke to George on the previous podcast. I remember the night out around Vicky Dot Tab with all the fans. It was a really good achievement. We'd done it, we'd been there. But we was just saying as well, how vital did you do you think and the players think? If we wouldn't have gone up that season, you look at the likes of what Witness have done now. Lee have struggled to cement a place back. Going up in Super League that first year, at the time, yeah, it was that was the aim, but ultimately it was a tough task and you guys did it because if we wanted done, I don't think we would have been in the position we are now. Yeah, no, definitely. You say, you say when you look at them other clubs that, that didn't manage to do it and, and what's happened from there. So I think it, it was massive and, and, and hugely important that that we got the job done that year and went straight back up because a, a lot of effort and, and money from the, from Neil and that was put in for that season to get that, get straight back up and... Um, Thankfully, um, you know, we did get straight up, and um, and that day it, it was uh, it was a great day. I'll never forget that. Um, and I, I think also which helped was I think we still had two games to go, and we were yeah. already up, so we didn't have so much that added pressure because we got it done early. So I think you know if it's coming down to a million pound game or or even one game before, anything can sort of happen. But we're fortunate enough to to win early enough um, that we yeah had two games to spare but but that day yeah it was um, it was quite a, a tight game and I remember having a packed ground I think we were expected probably to win or I think the the supporters and, and we I, I thought we, we would probably win um, didn't obviously knew it was going to be tough um, but it was quite close wasn't it and then uh, I think we we're up we we're up by two when when Shoei got the yeah. the intercept and went the length, and um, I remember just I was sort of fullback and he got the the ball, and as soon as I see him in the clear, I remember just thinking, that's it, you know, he, he's not getting caught now, and um, him running with straight down the the, the east end side with the, the crowd um, all up and cheering him on, and um, that was just a, an unreal unreal moment, and and time uh, and memory for me at, at the club, yeah, it was unbelievable. 
Yeah, and obviously it was probably you know one of your best seasons in the, in the red and white of Wilkinson Rovers, and and the end of the season uh, awards you had a almost clean sweep, I think, of of trophies and stuff, and it was you know just rewards for a fantastic season, but a bit of a disappointing end for you, I suppose, with the with the injury. Yeah, so so the the next year, I think that was first year of Super League um, when we went back up was yeah on my, my best year and. Um, I managed to to play a lot of consistent um, games, and I don't think I, I missed one at all during the season. And um, and then I think two games to go in in the middle eights. It was Halifax at home. Um, I remember just chasing back off a I think a crossfield kick that they got it, and the winger was running. And then I just went to step and just fell over and. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd heard people talk about how they've done ACLs and how they feel, and I was pretty sure at the time that that's what happened. Um, and yeah, that was that was quite disappointing. Obviously, yeah, from uh, I felt you know I'd had a really good year personally, and um, to finish it like that, it was um, you know it was pretty disappointing. And knowing that you, I was going to miss a, a fair portion of, of the next season. Um, but like, yeah, that's rugby, and 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 that stuff happens, doesn't it? So, yeah. I had to just look for the positives and 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 look to to rehab and and work and to get back as soon as possible. Just just give us a bit of insight, Adam, into what it's like for someone to have. Obviously, you've gone from playing week in week out to having a you know horrendous injury to then being on the sidelines. And especially for yourself, who's still quite new to the city, he's probably still fitting in, you know, getting into a routine and stuff. Um, how tough is it to be on the sidelines, watching your mates in training, watching them playing games and stuff, knowing that you're, you are part of the group, but in a way you're not as well because you, you're sort of removed from all that training training room banter and, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's difficult because, yeah, like, even at training, like you, you're in the gym and things, but you're not out there on the field and um, you train a lot on your own and um, you're not amongst all that. And then and then once the season starts, it's even worse because, you know, you, you, you're signed up to, to, to play, to play games and um, you're sat on the sideline and, and you can't be a part of it. And um, I've always found it harder to watch than, than playing, like nerves-wise, especially I was... When you're watching the boys, and um, yeah, it was it was it's, it's, it's difficult, um, but it was something you know most players go through at times, whether it's a long or short injury. You know, you miss games, and um, just something you have to, to to learn to to live with and and adapt to, and just try and support the boys and and be a part of it as much as you can, and and give input when you can, and and try and help that way. What. When we've, we've spoken to a lot of players who were the similar timeline to you as well, Quinny, and we've mentioned Tim Sheens, obviously 2019, you, you know, am I right, you didn't play under him in 2019, did you? No, my first game Your first game was, was Smithy's um, first game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll go on to that in a moment, but what was your opinions on Tim Sheens? Obviously at the time, and Chris mentioned it to George, from a fan's perspective, you know, we, we appreciate what he's done in the game. I thought it was a, you know, a legend and looking, but he's still doing stuff with West Tigers now at 71, whatever he is, so yeah. still going. 
but we saw him in the media quite miserable sometimes, quite playing stuff down. What was it like as a coach? Was he a motivator, a tactician? And was you sad to see him go? But ultimately, when Tony Smith came in, see any big changes? Obviously, you got the game back, the Warrington game, when you know you scored an instrumental in that victory. How was that changeover? And your first game back scoring under the North Stand at Craven Park must have been a fantastic achievement for all the hard work he did in the rehab. But tell us about Mr Sheens, Mr Smith and getting back into the Rovers setup. Yeah, um, you know, it was uh, it was sad to see Sheensy go. Obviously, he um, he brought me over and um, he believed in me and um, I felt like my rugby did improve under him um, and I really enjoyed playing for him. Um, so... And obviously, I didn't get a chance to play for under him that season. Obviously, being injured, um, you know, I was, I just I thought, oh, maybe I could have helped at times, you know, a couple of close games. But you know, that was that was the decision made. And then um, then Smithy come in, and um, uh, I hadn't never had anything to do with Smithy before, and um, was unsure, you know, the differences in how he was going to coach to to Sheensy. Um and yeah, he come in and. I think yeah, it was my first week back. He he was there. He he said you're good to go, and I said yeah yeah I'm good to go. And um, yeah, like you said, we we managed to to beat uh, Warrington, which was his old side, obviously, and um, managed to score to score at the end, which I think sealed it. And um, you know, after nine months out to to come back against one of the top teams, um. You know, play a right and then score that try to, at the end uh, at home um, for a new coach as well. Come in his first game, it was, you know, it probably couldn't have been scripted any better. So it was, um, it almost made the, the nine months worth it. And um, yeah, it, w- it was great to just be back out there. And, and, and what happened happened. It was, yeah, it was unreal. I was just going kind to, of, I was just wondering uh, with Tony Smith and, and probably, you know, for any coach who comes in, especially sort of partway through a season, did you notice that Tony Smith came in and wanted to change everything straight away? You know, so you, you've gone from what uh, Tim Sheens was doing and then Tony Smith's coming and, and wanted to put his mark or was it a bit of a smoother transition? Yeah, I think uh, I think a bit of a, a smoother transition. Obviously, he's been around a long time and you know, uh, coming in and, and changing things straight away, obviously, I guess, would be hard to adapt to. So it was more of a, a smoother transition and and um and slowly and um yeah I, I think it was a it was a really good transition well for me personally I I, I um had no issues with anything and, and it was great and, and loved the way he was going about things and um loved playing under him and uh being coached by him and, and I think I, I grew a lot as a player you know and um on the field and uh Mentally, mental side of things, he's big on, and um, you know, uh, yeah, he's he's great. He's great. Yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, we love him for what he's done in the two, three seasons he's been at us, and hopefully, long mate, continue, mate. So, twenty nineteen, obviously, great for you to get in, you know, a run at the back end. Going into a twenty twenty season where we didn't know what was going to happen in the later months and the year, and still talking about it now, even in the present day, unfortunately. What we are. 
you know, in memories of 2020, obviously not the best year for you as well, another serious injury, and we know mm. about all that, but playing behind closed doors, COVID, being over here, you know, away from your home, being isolated, I mean, it was tough for us guys, but at least we was around our families at some extent, and we could still know that, that the nearism was in our home city. How did you guys, and obviously the other quarter players, find it being quarantined and isolated? Obviously, you were still playing, but it got disruptions, was playing... Salford in Warrington on a Tuesday afternoon at one o'clock yeah. and little stuff like that. It must have been so tough. I know George last week said he found it really tough playing without fans, especially Rovers fans who were such, you know, a big influence on you guys, like you always say. But what was 2020 like for you? It must have been quite tough, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the playing, obviously, when we come back, I think I played the first two games, but it, it, was, it was just weird. Like, it was almost like a... A training, do you know what I mean? But it was like against another team and it was full on and, you know, you could hear anything that was being said in the ground and um, I think that just took a little bit of getting used to and um, but then obviously I got into two games in and so I didn't play those, yeah, those Tuesdays and things like that And but I think everyone, yeah, it was just a bit uh, I don't think they really got used to it at all, it was just a bit bizarre and, and strange and then yeah, the isolating and then uh, obviously, before we started back playing, it will, you know, lockdown. I, I don't know how long the the season stopped for, but three to four months or something like that, was it? And yeah, um, maybe it's more. And um, just sitting at home and um, just having so much time on your hands and not knowing what to do with yourself, and you couldn't come in and train together. You, you do your stuff on your own, but um, that was with limited thing, like limited gear and things. You might go for a run and, and do some stuff down the field, but. It was um, just a really weird time, and and then yeah, to to start back playing and um, no fans and um, and things like that, and then playing on different days and so many games to try and catch up. It, it was a it was a strange time, and I'm sure everyone in the the competition would have felt like that as well. But um, yeah, I don't know if anyone really adapted to it as such because it was just so abnormal. Yeah. Yeah, I think me and Joe spoke about it in the past, and I think we lost a bit of probably a bit of interest in, in rugby league because it just felt like the games were getting played to get through to the end of the season and, and just yeah. you know try and have. Uh, uh, but when you was watching the games, you know, and it's probably no disrespect to you as players because you probably felt the same as well, but you just didn't feel like it was you know the Super League rugby league that we know it, it just didn't feel like it was what it's about and obviously for me the big thing about rugby league is watching watching the games and being with your friends and family and stuff and when you take that element out of it you, you know you do lose a bit of it so i'm just going to fast forward so obviously you, you're going back to australia now did that experience of covid and lockdown and all that have a have a influence on your decision that you've made now um I don't, not that i know of maybe um without me realizing but i, I don't think so it just sort of um uh, am I going into all that reasoning and, and what? Or what's that? I'm... No, I was saying that didn't really. I don't yeah. think it, it played a part. Um, and I was just saying, do you want me to go into the reasoning or yet yeah, or that after? Or oh no, we'll do that at the end. We'll do that. At the yeah, end. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, we'll, we'll finish on that, mate, because we'll you know want to speak to you about that and obviously finish. You know, wishing all the best and all the fans yeah. well as well. But no, yeah, definitely. I think it's a good point that Chris made. And we'll go into your final season, what was obviously at the time we didn't know, but 2021. Yeah. Big changes. Brad Takarango, we've mentioned him earlier in the podcast. Albert Vette, Corbin Sims, Ryan Hall coming in. 
did you notice the standard changing? Because no disrespect in the Super League seasons, yeah, it was great that we cemented our place, but we, it, it was a tough old slog, wasn't it? There was some very dark moments in them early years back in Super League, some heavy defeats. You know, bottom of the table finishes, obviously, if Toronto, COVID wouldn't have happened, would have been in a relegation scrap again. But in 2021, when did you start to see the changes? Before we speak about, you know, the arrival of Lachlan Coote and that would ultimately mean you leaving the Robins. When did you kind of notice, go, right, the standards improving here and Tony Smith's getting a grip of his team, along with Danny Maggs, Dave Hodge, Stanley Jean, because we all mentioned Tony Smith, but I think them three guys deserve a lot yeah. of credit as well, what they do, especially Dave Hodgson and Magsy probably working with you a lot in the span and with the wingers and the outside backs. Yeah, it was, um, I'm not sure when exactly, but when them signings happened, I like quite per- personally, I know I thought, oh, like I didn't see that coming and, um, you know, quite a surprise, and but obviously like a very pleasant one. Um, and I thought, oh, hang on here, like, you know, they're starting to be in business now and then the recruitment um, process had, had changed a little bit and um, and then when they got there and, well, I guess probably once they were announced and that and people knew and who was to come because they didn't come for a little bit, um, the, the training, um, you know, everyone was, you know, preparing and, and excited so that helps in your training everyone's keen to get out there and prove and prove themselves and and, and train well and I think that started from the start and then um then the boys come over and, and it only increased um when they got there to training and things and um and yeah it was it was exciting times and um to have such you know great players that have been on this side of the, uh, the world to come over there and, and play with us and, and and that whole KR was um yeah, everyone does just a buzz about the place, I think. Yeah, I wonder, did they, um, obviously these players will come across and, and obviously you've been here for a few years. Did they rely on you to maybe help them when, you know, just in the local area, get to know a feel for the club and stuff like that and, and, and listen to your experiences of being at Ulkington Rovers? Um, to be honest, when they got there, yeah, but um, I hadn't actually spoke to, to any of them before they, before they come. I think Tony, obviously... Sold it well enough, and um, and they come over. And then when they they come over. Obviously, I know what it's like coming um, and you know being new to the area, settling in, and and not knowing where things are. And that's how I tried to help. But um, in saying that, uh, most of our team are, are very um, supportive like that anyway. And everyone goes out of their way to make sure everyone is settled in, knows where things are. If they need a hand doing something, it was the same when I first came, and um, it was no different to to when them boys come over and. Uh, and settled in as well. I think the moving into the season in 2021, the beauty of having a good start, especially in Super League, which we probably hadn't had for a few years, if we're fighting a relegation battle, we can't offer these big-name NRL signings to come play for us because they're not going to want to come and play for in the Championship. You know, I know yeah. you did that, but some people won't want to do that, especially yeah. at certain times in the career. With Rovers having a good start, we got linked with Toby King, Blake Austin, and I thoroughly believed them two was going to happen. When mm. the news broke about, and it was quite a surprise about Lachlan Coe, we didn't really understand where that had come from. We just assumed it'd still be at Saints. 
when that came about, mate, how did you feel? And, you know, when did you find out that Rovers were probably more likely to go for Lachlan Koo, which would ultimately, because of the quota spots, me and being in your position, mean that your time was probably coming to an end? And was that a decision made lightly or did Tony have any words with you? And how, was it must, must have been tough, especially seeing Lachlan Koo coming in and these big name signings and everything, especially after being at the club for so long. Yeah, um, so Tony, Tony rang me um and just said oh um how you go on that and i was like yeah right he said oh, i've got some views and uh, like i sort of could tell that obviously it wasn't yeah. gonna be great and i knew um there was one quota spot left and he said um uh, i'm gonna have to to use that quota spot elsewhere blah 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 and and i said yeah okay no worries and i think at the time blake austin was getting um uh, like mentioned in the media and things like that of maybe coming and I didn't actually ask Tony who it was. I was just like, oh, that's fair enough, mate. You know, you got to do what's best for the club and and whatnot. And um, so I I thought it was him at the time actually. And then uh, I think I come into to training and I was getting physio or something or whatever and got chatting to people and then I got wind that it was probably going to be um, uh, Lockwood Coot and I said, oh well, <laughs> yeah, of course, you know. I, He's the best, the best fullback in the game in, in the Super League. And, um, you know, if you've got a chance to get him, you take him. So, um, you know, I was, oh, I was sad. Obviously, I would have, would have loved to have stayed. I've been there five years and that. But, you know, I understand it. And, um, in the game, it's, it's a business. And, you know, if you can get a player of his calibre, um, you know, you take him straight away. So I totally understood it. Yeah, it's obviously difficult, difficult news, isn't it? But is that when you started to think about your future and and whether you was going to stay in the game, whether you was going to go back to Australia? Was you starting to put feelers out for maybe clubs over the, this side of the this side of the uh, the water? Yeah, yeah. So then I, I thought, all right, okay, so I'm not here. What? Um, well, definitely not here. What's what's going to happen? What's next? Um, there was times during the year where I, I thought, oh, like. You know, do I want to go home? Um, you know, I, I wasn't playing well. I wasn't, you know, I felt I wanted to go home. Um, what was the reasoning? What come first? I don't know. Um, and then I, I started to, you know, to enjoy enjoy my rugby again. And, and I felt my form was, was building. And um, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm keen, keen to stay on somewhere here and um, trying to put, put feelers out and then um, there was talk and um, possibly if someone left and, and things shaped differently, possibly at Wakey, um, that didn't come about. And then um, once that wasn't to come about, uh, sat down with uh, my partner and we just got chatting and I thought, well, what are we going to do? Can't wait forever. We need to make a decision. Obviously, you have to pack up the house and you know book flights and and look to to whatever's next it's not just a, a um you know make the decision and then it was a process would have had to have been done to, to move home and because obviously been here five years so um we started to think that way made the decision and and um yeah, we thought it through and, and i was once i made the decision to um say i was going to go home uh that was um, my decision to I was wasn't going to play try and play professionally or, or semi professionally anywhere, um, so that that was it. And I was content and, and happy with um, what had happened. And um, 
and and yeah, so and then once I've made the decision, I think uh, Lee come in, um, uh, and they offered, and but it was just at that point, um, like I said to to my partner, if they had to come in, you know, maybe six weeks before or four weeks before or something, it might have been a different story, and I might have might have uh, taken it but once I'd made my mind up and we'd started planning and that I, I said I can't go back on that now like we've already started getting rid of things in the house and um, putting things in place for back home so and and I couldn't I couldn't like sign for someone then if I was only you know not fully committed I, I felt so um, I didn't want to get halfway through the year or a quarter in and think oh, I want to move home now so um we said, yeah, let's just crack on with going home, and and um, yeah, we, well, I'm here now, so we made that decision and got on with it. Yeah, yeah. I think the frustrating thing for me, for Chris, and for the rest of the OKR fans, mate, is, and for yourself, you know, more of you than any of us, is the fact we saw what you can do, and we saw some of the great times on the pitch, and when you was on form, the team clicked, but just ultimately. And, and you know as much as we well, you know, just not enough games, injuries that, you know, I know for especially injuries are awful and they can dampen a career. The back end and your final game for Ulkingston Rovers, which, you know, luckily enough from ours, we got to see you cross the whitewash one more time and you deserve that. That photo of you and the making breakthrough and your shoulder pops out, I can feel your pain. I've disappeared yeah. the worst pain ever. Just tell us when did that start before we move on to retirement, what you're going to do with yeah. the league? When did that start? Because we didn't know that you was playing with a dislocated shoulder that was popping out all the time. So fair play yeah. to you, mate, because I couldn't have done it. So it actually happened, I think it was my second game in my first ever year. Um, I think we're talking about Sheffield earlier. I dislocated my shoulder then, uh, missed a few weeks, and then and that was it. And then I, I ended up coming back, whatever. Never, Nothing ever happened from it then. And then I think two years later, after I... Did my knee? I was I was one week away from coming back to play and just training on my own. I end up dislocating my shoulder at training, um, but I managed to still come back and play the next week, so it was all right. So then it was it didn't happen again. So obviously they say the once you do it, the more times you do it, then it's prone to come out all the time. And um, and then it was I think it was the end of that season. I possibly could have got it um, operated on. Or maybe the next season, and um, yeah, no, sorry, the next season because when we come back from COVID, first game against Warrington, actually, I popped it out in that game as well, and um, I thought, here we go, like not again, and um, managed to get it back in play, and then then I end up doing my wrist two weeks later or whatever, and I was going to get it done at the end of the season, but it was going to put me out for a um, quite a long part of the pre-season, and. Obviously, haven't been injured a lot. I'd missed, you know, a few pre-seasons and that. And when I played my best was um, I had the full pre-season that before the 2018 season. And uh, I was like, no, I'll try and rehab it and it'll be fine. I don't want to miss training and whatnot. So um, hindsight, yeah, possibly could have got it done. But at the time, I was just trying to, to do what was best. And, and then um, that season, well, my last season, I, I can't remember when it first happened, but might happen a couple of times in pre-season and then um, a few games and, uh, you know, I'd, it would be fine. And then all of a sudden it would just pop out out of nowhere, like trying to make a tackle or arm um, getting caught in a weird spot. And then uh, I knew it was getting 
coming out quite regularly and easily. Um, and I just kept trying to put it off and just like I'll try and just try and get through the season. And then when it happened uh, in that last game, um, uh, and I was sort of trying after that point on in the game, I was just trying to avoid using my left shoulder if possible. And I sort of knew then that. Uh, it got to that point where something might have needed to be done. And after the game, physio, he just said to me, we need to do something about that, don't we? And um, I knew as soon as the hooter went, I knew that um, I was probably going to have to make that decision for the, the better of the team. You know, I couldn't keep going out there and uh, albeit that played on that game, you know, the next game I might not be able to keep playing on and we're a man down at back and in an important position. So... Ultimately, had to make that decision, and um, and I sort of knew that um, you know that when we finished at the end of the game, I remember clapping the fans, and I was thinking, you know, that's quite likely my last game for for whole KR, which was um, quite sad. But um, but yeah, that's just the way rugby goes at times for people there. Yeah, and I think you know that's probably our. As supporters, maybe one of our biggest frustrations is that we just didn't see you out on the pitch as much as we wanted you to do. Because for me personally, I, you know, what you're one of the most skillful players that I've seen put on the, the red and white old Kingston Rovers, and, and the way that you almost made the uh, the game effortless. You know, it was a real joy to watch, and um, you know, it is a shame that you've had to obviously set the, make the decision to retire. But obviously, that's not the end for you, is it, Adam? What what are your plans now that you're back in Australia? Yeah, yeah. I- Thank you for that. And I will say, with the with the decision to retire and the injuries, that to me that didn't actually play too much of a, a decision. Um, I, I felt that you know I was only twenty nine now. I still had twenty good years, and um, the, the shoulder was going to heal and and whatnot. So the injuries, uh, I felt I could come back from that. But um, it was just sort of the other things that kept building up. And um, and now now come back to Australia um, and back home, uh, moving into to working with um, with youth um, and, and underprivileged youth um, in the area of my local area from where I grew up. Um, I uh, just had a, a job interview uh, last week and then um, got told this week that that's all, all go ahead. So um, I'll be doing that and looking forward to that and um, trying to give back something to, to the community I, I grew up in and, and try and help with them. Um, and, I, and I will play, I will play a form of rugby just like a, a local um, amateur sort of league um, and uh, just, yeah, have a bit of fun and play with some mates again and, and things like that. So it uh, won't be the, you know, rugby won't be the, the main main part of my life anymore. And, um, yeah, looking forward to, to what's to come with, with everyday work and, and uh, yeah, enjoying other things. Joe, can you imagine lining up at your, your local park on the pitch and you see uh, Adam lining up at fullback? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of, um, I think, English is playing as well now, wouldn't you, in one of them amateur leagues? I think, like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there's so many amateur leagues, isn't there? So I imagine every, um, an old NRL player or Super League player pops up out of you <laughs> playing against some good players still. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think he'd be, be a bit more worried if you've seen uh, English lining up against yeah. it, uh, than me, about up to his knees. But, um, but yeah, the... the Competition I'm going to be playing in. There's, yeah, there's a lot of ex, um, a lot of ex first graders and and Super League players. I think um, Grant Millington, who's just finished up at yeah. um, Cass, he's going to be in the 
the, the same competition because I, I spoke to him briefly. Um, I was possibly going to play at that team, but um, and yeah, there's a lot of they come and a lot of teams they sort them out um, with jobs and things like that, and uh, it's a bit of a draw card for people with um, you know finishing uh, rugby, and some people don't you know have qualifications and things, so they go here we'll come play for us and we'll we'll give you this job and. Um, so you get some good, it's still a decent um, sort of level, which which is good. So um, the, the team I'm going to play for actually, Blake Wallace played for Toronto and yeah and Lee. Um, yeah, he's he's going to be coaching actually. So that was sort of because I know him and I'd, I'd um, played with him in Australia before. So that was sort of why I was sort of going to go to this team that I'm at. So he said, "Does he still have that horrendous haircut?" Say again. Does he still have that horrendous haircut? Was he the one with the mullet? Yeah, yeah. You know what? <laughs> I'm not sure now you mention it. I it's too hot now. We'll have to shave it off. It's yeah, too hot. Well, every now and then he'll shave it and then he grows it back and uh, he <laughs> loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no, um, like, yeah, we wish you all the best, mate, and everything you do. Great that you've managed to get a job because obviously we mention all the time footballers, they're on 100 grand a week and they can retire in the yeah. sun, but for you guys, you know, unless you're at the top, top level for a long, long time, you know, you have to get jobs and there's absolutely no issues with that and the job you do, you're going to do sounds absolutely brilliant, mate. Five seasons at the Robins, mate, it's been absolutely brilliant to speak to you. Have you got any final words to say to the fans, to the coaching staff, to Bonesy, to anyone who influenced your time at Old KR? Um, yeah, no, obviously the coaching staff, the players, uh, I've spoke to all them, um, you know, before I left and, and told them all what I thought and how much it meant to me and, and the time, how good they made the time that I was there. Um, the, the supporters, like I said, it was something I was not used to and running out there and um, uh, week in, week out, the support the team had was, was unbelievable. Personally, um, how welcome uh, they all made me feel, not just you know, at, at the games and things, but in the city, just walking around, people would go out of their way to to say how are you, or you know, want to have a if you're in the pub, have a beer with you, or and just get to chat, get to know you. And um, it was something that I wasn't uh, too used to before. And and you know, for that, I'm forever grateful. Um, I'll never forget my time in the city at the club. Um, and it was you know a decision that I was you know. Like I said, unsure of moving across the other side, but best decision I've made um, in my life, just just uh, as a life experience in general, not just rugby side of things. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll be forever grateful for it. And um, I'll, I'll definitely be back uh, in the, the coming years. I've made so many good friends. Um, so I'll pop back over and, and visit and, and look forward to, to watching a game from the stands and, and having a pint while watching there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's just a um, bit easier and up your shoulder don't pop out when you're pulling a pants. You can chill <laughs> yeah, out now, can't you? Oh, you'll be right in, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Another fantastic heritage cast, Chris. Any final words? It's been great to speak to Adam, hasn't it? Um, and just discuss his time, especially at Old Kingston Roads and all the good words here. Yeah, it's been great, man. It's been really interesting. Like we say, you're always welcome back at, at Craven Park, so it'd be great to see you in the East End. Just really quickly to finish off, I don't know if you saw, did, did you see that Tony Smith said if he was a few inches taller, he'd still be playing in the NRL now? Do you know what? I woke up and someone had sent me that, actually, and um, <laughs> do you know what? <laughs> He's probably right. <laughs> I um, Obviously, yeah, just lacked a little bit of size, and uh, especially at the time coming through, the game wasn't 
it's a bit different now. It's a bit more fast-paced and designed a bit more for the little guys. But, yeah, I think he's, he's probably on the money there. And uh, there's some kind words from him. Um, I had a really good relationship with him and, and yeah, still keep in touch. And, um, you know, he, he's a great fella, even away from rugby. Great coach and, and a great fella away from it. And, um, you know, I hope he, he leads them to bigger and better things this year and then they go uh, one better in the grand final and or two better and then win that, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, let's hope so, mate. But Adam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, mate. We really appreciate it and then wish you all the best for the future. No, thank you very much, guys, and uh, and all the best and, yeah, cheers. Thank you. So everyone who listened, guys, we really appreciate it. We're sorry for the um, internet connection earlier in the show. We do it. It's normally Chris, Adam, and then you've um, took one over him now. So it must be the Wi-Fi <laughs> down up there. But Adam Quinlan made 65 appearances for the Robins in five seasons, scoring 30 tries. Thanks for speaking to us, mate. All the best to you and your partner, and we hope to speak to you very soon. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. Thank you. 